This is Heavy Radio 39, and we have a, a most honorable, very excellent guest, John Gallagher from Raven. So Eric and Marco coming at you. It is it is a pleasure to have you with us, John. I'm very happy to be here. And I we, uh, can't think of a yeah. better way of dragging my ass out of bed on a Sunday and talking heavy metal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and we Thank are. You for being on the show, man. We're very hyped for the incoming the incoming tour. It's coming up really quick. Yeah, we first date October twentieth. Uh basically be out for about a month. We're still fighting to add a couple of dates at the tail end, uh, but it appears that there's going to be a second leg starting in January. Awesome. So all the people in the like. Florida and some of the southern states that were complaining, well, we're going to fill in and, you know, we'll be doing that. And we've told the agent that just keep adding gigs. So let's see where we get to. Hell yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. You guys got to add more days. We have some friends. In- no, it's, uh, you know, obviously the, with the, the way things have been going, uh, it's just great to get out there. And I think people are hungry to go out and see some live music and we're going to give it to them yes Hell yeah. we have some friends and peers that are supporting the tour along the way so we'll have some of those folks on um, we've had one one on last week and we'll keep it going up until the shows shows happen so so we should have some some <coughs> some some great support here on this tour as well brilliant and um, I know it's uh, it's really uh, like when you look into Raven's history, there's just so much, uh, so many awesome things to dig into. Obviously, you shared the stage with Metallica and Ozzy and Motorhead and Maiden. Um, so much, so much history there. And um, it's just uh, it's amazing that uh, we've been cranking this new record and uh, it's really um, really badass and full of uh, higher energy. And um, is there any any uh, were there some highlights from the newest record for you? Uh, basically the whole thing. It was a uh, you know that the whole it was took a couple of years to to put it together, and we had so many things happen. Obviously, you know, Joe left the band, and we got Mike Heller in which was, uh, you know, a real shot of adrenaline. But we already had the songs and we knew it was going to be a good record. And we had so many songs that we were almost able to go, okay, what would be a great opener? What would follow that? You know, because you try to build a narrative, a little bit of ebb and flow, even though everything's, you know, ice pick in the face, you kind of want to, (laughs) like, have a little bit of variety, you know, slow, fast, uh, more rocky, more, you know, harder-edged or what have you. Mm. So, you know, we we pretty much had that together. We knew which songs we wanted to do. Uh, So apart from an abortive recording session, which started in, like, August of 2017, which didn't work out, and we were going to do it at Mike's studio. Mike was moving from New York to LA and was going to build a studio there. We was like, okay, well, when that's together, we'll all go in and do the record. 
and we did the Monsters of Rock cruise in early 2018. And Michael Wagner was on the cruise, our old friend, who produced us, you know, like we worked with him three times before. And we said, hey, Michael, we're going to do a record. Would you like to mix it? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Like, All right. All set. It's going to be great. And then he got in touch right after the cruise with me and said, when are you going to have that recorded? When's your studio ready? I says, it's probably not going to be ready until like late May or June. He says, oh, well, I'm going in a hospital for a major procedure and I'd really like to do all this beforehand. He's like, oh. I says, well, I don't know. He says, well, why don't you come to our studio? Like, come on, you can No, come. So two days later, we found ourselves in Nashville uh, and working with the great Michael Wagner once more. Uh, you know, Mike had already done his drums at his studio in, in New York, so we had the tracks for that and went down and rocked out the bass, guitar and vocals. And we just knew we had lightning in a bottle. It was just kick-ass. It was great. Awesome. So um, what's the... Then we had the whole thing of... Go ahead. What's the home front for you these days? Where are you located now? I'm currently in in limbo. I'm between Florida and my hometown of Newcastle. My girlfriend lives in Newcastle, so I've, I've just been there. I came back last week, and I'll be over there for Christmas. And then straight back, because the tour is supposedly starting like first week of January or something, so in and out. After the races, yeah, well, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm here, there, and everywhere. We'll go back in I'm time. I'm bad. I'm international. <laughs> yes, <laughs> global. We'll exactly. go. We'll go back in time a little bit to 1984. So you all moved from Newcastle to New York City. What uh, can you do? You, what was that like? Do you have any memories from that time that stand out? Well, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, we, we'd done the tour, our first headline tour, you know, with Metallica opening up for us, and it, it, went, it was great. It was a great, you know, planting the flag. And we say, we want to get a major deal. We want to get a major agent. And we're going to come back in 1984 and tour until we get it. So we did. We came over... And that was the whole thing of breaking away from our record company in England, Neat Records. It was because all our equipment was there. It was like, oh, we're going to do a gig. And we packed it all up and drove it to the next town where a, a music store nicely let us store all our gear there. So, okay, the equipment's out, right? And then the lawyers got in touch. <laughs> and we, you know, started that whole process. Because uh, obviously we wanted to be off before we started negotiating for a deal. And we came over and spent basically all of 1984 in America. And it wasn't really the plan to live in America. But as it turned out, you know, after a few years, it was like, yeah, yeah, living in America. You're over here. Especially when it came to the point where we were on Atlantic and we found out what jerks they were and they weren't interested in us coming back to Europe to play, mm. which was really, really stupid. Because, I mean, we got to the point where we were playing three and 4,000 seaters in Holland. Mm. The last shows we played there, which I believe was early 1984. Uh, so, you know, 
we had a lot of catching up to do when we eventually got back to Europe in geez, 89. That would have been for that. But uh, you could write a book about how ridiculous Atlantic records were. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, sure uh, there's lots of musicians yeah. that would chime in on that. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, a laundry list of bands I've got uh, kind of screwed over and pushed into a corner and, you know, figuratively held over windowsills from the 30th floor, sign this or die, or, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll but if you've ever seen Spinal Tap, at the beginning yeah. of the movie Spinal Tap, there's a, like a pre-tour party and... What was her name? The girl that was in The Nanny is the uh, publicist, Bobby Fran Drescher. Uh, I've I've seen people like that. It's so accurate. Where they're, what's the word? Viciously ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to use that one. That's a uh, that's an exciting time with uh, with heavy metal as a whole too. Like uh, being around there playing in that time with like the new wave of British heavy metal coming up and everything, you know, heating up in America. Could you guys feel that energy at that time, or um, you know, being on the front lines of it? Uh kind of. Yeah, I mean, we weren't you know, like standing way back and going, oh, this is happening, this is happening. But it was it was kind of unspoken. You knew there was a lot of uh, really cool bands out. It actually got to the point by, I guess, 81 or something. I mean, I, I really wasn't listening. I, I didn't want to get overly influenced by anything else I heard. It was obviously the initial bands of the new wave of British heavy metal. Uh, were all totally different. None of them sounded the same. The only thing they had in common was the energy and the passion. That's really mm-hmm. it. It was they were like-minded people that uh, loved the, you know, Judas Priest, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, Bogie, Judas, uh, who else? Wishbone Ash, and then the progressive stuff. The, the, everything wasn't so generalized and pigeonhole so it was just mm-hmm. like yeah i like all the good stuff and we pulled all that and made our own brew as it were as did many other bands they came up with a, a different version of what was going on but it was all loud and heavy and exciting and once people started trying to formularize that it it, it all falls apart you know, the other parallel would be the grunge scene. None of those bands were really the same. And then you ended up, oh, I'm going to wear a flannel shirt and I'll try and make some money as well, you know? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't doesn't pan out. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, go a little further uh, into the future now and you spent some time touring in Japan for a while there pretty extensively. Um, what was uh, your experience like with Japan and Japanese culture? Oh, we love it over there. The first time we ever went was uh, 1995. And it it was really just the one show. Went all the way over for one show to do a live record. And I got laryngitis. Yay! And before the gig, I'm like, you know, honey and lemon. I can't really talk. 
and we went out on stage and I just went, yeah, uh, first note of him, I can get through this. And it's okay. Yeah. We, we made it happen. But it was some culture shock things. I mean, it was a, a, a great venue and they had curtains. So you'd sneak. It sounds so quiet. Is anybody even there? And you open the curtains, the place is absolutely packed and absolutely silent. As soon as the lights went down, boom, it was like a bomb went off. Then they all went crazy. Uh, but like this, we came again in 2009, and they were a lot rowdier. And the people that we know in Japan were like, this doesn't happen. Like, they wouldn't leave the venue for 40 minutes after we finished. They had to literally pick them up and kick them out. Uh but uh, the fans are very passionate, very knowledgeable, and it's, it's always a pleasure. And we went over there again in 2015, oh I think it was, and, and uh, 2019. We did a couple of shows in 2019, and then we went on to China, which was <laughs> another story altogether. Uh, yes. <clears throat> What yeah? What was it like doing? I mean, there it's it's such an interesting thing. There's that there's still places in the world where it would be this historical event to have a heavy metal concert, especially places like like China being one of them. What was that like? Well, that was very bizarre. Uh, you know, basically, we were trying to wrap up. You know. Australia and China and Australia we ended up doing a little later that year going there for the first time which was excellent as well but uh, you know you go all the way out there it's just like well let's do something else rather than you know spend a month flying there and stand there for five minutes and turn around and fly back so uh, I'd had a contact with China and he says yeah let's let's put a couple of gigs together so we ended up playing in Shanghai and then in uh, somewhere further up north near near uh, Beijing, somewhere up that way. And the way it worked out is we just played on the weekend in Japan, so we get to China and we had like four or five days off before the, the gig, and uh, that was culture shock. The food was dreadful. <laughs> I'm trying to find it in here, actually. I forgot it because we went... Our like minder guy took us around, and you know the city of Shanghai is phenomenal. It looks like something out of a science fiction movie. It's just mm -hmm. these crazy uh, high rises. It's very futuristic. Uh, and we went to the old town, uh, which is all you know by the banks of a river, and it's all these low buildings with wood and white plaster, and very evocative. And he took us in. This guy, when he he would order food for us and sort of bear no discussion, which ended up us just going, I'm not eating this. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this one place where we sit down at a table, and I'm trying to find it here. It's possible. Let's see. Looking on the dates. No. If I do, I do. Uh, the table had a like a wok built into it. This big metal mm. pot. Oh, this is what we eating. We got the menu. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. I got it. I got it. <laughs> this little woman comes in with a bucket, and she just pours the bucket into this thing, and we all go, 
what? <laughs> and it's it's full of chicken legs and chicken head and chicken. Oh God, we just like no. We want pizza and we want pizza right now. <laughs> so of course he takes us to Domino's. It's a sit-in Domino's, and half the items on the menu are like squid pizza and snail pizza. <laughs> She just comes out and dumps the bucket on top of a pizza. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I oh, have. She's there too. I, I do have it. I can dig back far and while we're talking here. Yeah, no problem. I, I, it, it was just scary. And then they, they do things like you know, like a Chinese food, like you know, chicken in a sauce on rice, and you bite into it, and they cook the chicken, and then just chopped it up with all the bones you in. So you it. took a mouthful, and then he took your mouth off. <laughs> So, you know, That's some culture shock. So, we uh, <laughs> some of the other meals we had people, you know, we, we what's this and what's in this? And well, ah, that sounds good. So, <laughs> oh, it's all about the food. Funny. So, I'm it's all about the food. I've definitely dug through the Raven catalog with you. There's one that that I haven't gotten to listen to that has a pretty cool story. It was party or party killers. That was like a crowdfunding thing. Right. So it was special to the people that joined in, but I, I saw there was a, a budgie uh, track on there too. Did you ever, did you ever play with uh, budgie or cross paths with them back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, budgie was actually the second band I ever saw. Actually, third band. Sorry, second band was Status Quo. First band was Slade. Then we saw Status Quo. Then we saw Budgie. But we played with Budgie in like, oh, 2000. Uh, we used to play this big club in Virginia called Jack's. And the manager called me up and said, says, I, I know you guys, you know, you play here quite often. Would you like to play this show and open for Budgie? Went, oh, yeah, absolutely. We love Budgie. So we went down and hung out, and Burke and Steve were awesome. Uh, you know, I got to play that famous old beat-up precision bass he's, he's had, and that was it. Was just so cool. They were such good guys. That's awesome. But awesome. that Party Killers record, we've actually got that reprinted. We'll be selling that on the tour. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so uh, yes, you know, we made it. Better. We made it exclusive, and it's been like five years or six years ago at this point so it's like yeah we can do that now awesome. so yeah that's got some cool stuff on we had a lot of fun doing that it's got you know geez, Thin Lizzy Status Quo Slade David Bowie uh, Nazareth uh, oh, I can't remember what else was it the, but, uh, uh, the rocker was that the Thin Lizzy one <laughs> No, it's actually Bad Reputation. Oh, yes, The Rocker was on Glow, right? The Rocker was an extra track on Glow, uh, Glow, I yes. think. Yeah. yeah, so we do what? Bad Reputation by Thin Lizzy. We do Fireball by Deep Purple. We do Ogre Battle by Queen. Oh, yes. Which is crazy. Those are good picks, man. Amazing. Yeah, those are all That's good an songs. amazing song. Uh, it was just a whole lot of fun. It was like two days in the studio, bang them out, and... You know, really get the energy down. <laughs> cool. I um, I was gonna ask you. I know um, talking about uh, your past records, and then now talking about your 
um, latest record coming out, I can definitely tell that uh, you still have uh, the past same passion for writing and, and metal and music and everything. And uh, my question was going to be, um, what what inspires you to to keep writing and, you know, what inspires you to keep rocking and uh, just have that there. passion. It's, uh, you know, you pick up a guitar and <clears throat> you look at the world differently. That's how it works. And you just bash something out, you know, just get the energy in. And all that yes. nonsense. <laughs> yes. But uh, awesome. <laughs> there's still, it, it's incredible. You think there's only 12 notes in the scale and there's, there's still ideas and things you've never done and still new ways of seeing things, you know. So uh, we've never, ever had a situation where you look at a blank page and go, oh, my God, what are we going to write? I mean, we always have, I mean, in my phone right now, I've probably got, I don't know, 400 riff ideas constantly. And they're not even tapped. I have to spend some time to go look at them at some point because, you know, it's like, oh, occasionally I will. I go, that sounds good. Let's see where that goes <laughs> and, and come up with it. But, uh, I mean, right now we've already got the songs for the next record. Uh, we've got, oh God, 30. And they're great. They're really cool. I'm very excited about getting them done. Mike's going to start doing some, uh, you know, rough drum tracks so we can, you know, put it together and see if there's any changes we want to make in arrangements or whatever. And then probably early next year, we're probably, at this point, it's going to be like April or something. We'll go over to his and see if we can thrash some of this out. <laughs> hell yeah that's awesome news man yeah it's just must it's just be in your blood man if it's just the it's just part of life for you the, no the, it's the uh, for us it's like breathing it's something we, we gotta do and uh you know keeps you young at least in here <laughs> yeah <laughs> for everything else there's advil <laughs> right <laughs> my my knees would vouch for that one <laughs> did you have anything else awesome. before the heavy radio tracks eric um yeah I, there's one more question for you john um just since you guys have been there since the ground floor and seeing so much and and being um from england and being part of the new wave of british heavy metal and inspiring so many bands over here in the states and playing um i wanted to get your perspective on i guess where you see heavy metal as a genre as a whole going or um i guess what are your thoughts for the future of metal where we're at where where do you think it's going uh i don't know there are some young bands who are playing uh a kind of more heavily influenced from the classic metal and from the new wave of british heavy metal you know bands like night demon and enforcer and white wizard mm -hmm. and all that lot uh, which is great. It's great, and and especially in countries like I mean, we play Brazil. There's like nobody there under 26 or something. It's all young kids. So I'm hopeful that it's uh, it is sparking uh, a revival of sorts. 
because we're getting to the point. I mean, you just heard David Lee Roth is uh, hanging up his shoes, as he puts it. There's a lot of bands who are, you know, David Lee, was it David Coverdale? It's probably his last tour. So a, a lot of the big hitters aren't going to be around anymore. And a lot of the bands are in that middle ground where, you know, the certain bands only tour if they're opening. <laughs> they're not going to tour by themselves because you know that they don't want to. They don't want to work too hard. They don't want to do the clubs. They just want to make the money and be an opener. Uh, where we don't actually care as long as we can make it work. We want to play for the people, whether it's thirty thousand or three hundred. You know, it's it's almost immaterial to us as long as we can do our thing and get across. So. Uh, I mean, we're not spring chickens, but uh, there's still plenty of life in what we're doing. We're still, you know, creating new, vibrant, exciting music, more energy than probably we've ever had. So that's that's always great. And I do see it in some of the other older bands too, where it's like, you know, they're putting out the best records they've seen in, in years. I mean, Metallica... Uh, anthrax even testament that they, they all the newer stuff it's it's far better than they've been doing for a long time and that's yeah. great you know that that shows that they're they're in it for the right reasons at this point they're in it for the right reasons yeah i feel that way so it's awesome to share that share that take with you because i've <clears throat> i've felt the same way on all on all those fronts with all those uh people that you mentioned yeah Definitely. Yeah, and that new Iron Maiden record's doing great. And, you know, Iron Maiden's pretty polarizing. You either love them or you don't. Uh, but the one thing that cannot be denied is uh, they're the, probably the biggest metal band in the world. And whenever they do well, it helps everybody else. It's a rising tide that lifts all boats. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, and from what I've heard of that record, it's a lot better than the one before. So that's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we're definitely Maiden fans here through and through. Awesome. Yeah, yeah and that's we'll, awesome. Uh, yeah, thank you. we'll yeah. get into the heavy radio tracks that we're adding to the playlist. And I'm sure some, some of my last questions will come up here. Um, Eric, what's your first track for the playlist? Yeah, yeah. Um, my first track is going for an old school one from pantera uh this song is a happy little song called by demons be driven um just super brutal super catchy um pantera's on full display on that song and um love this one so definitely if you guys out there have not checked out uh the song pantera by demons be driven awesome john what are you adding to the heavy radio playlist uh, <clears throat> is this the one you told me about bringing songs of my songs? And they can be, yes. Three, like uh, we have some anything. older songs and some well, newer I, songs. Well, I, I happen to be wearing this T-shirt. Montrose, yes. Nice. So we're going to put a Montrose song on. We're going to put on uh, oh, Space Station number five. Let's do that one. <clears throat> awesome. Awesome. We played it for years in the clubs when we first started, and then we actually did a cover of it on the uh, Extermination record, which is, uh, you know, that's the, uh, 
That's the essence of great rock and roll heavy metal. It's just balls out all the way. <laughs> awesome. Totally yes, for for my uh, playlist picks, I actually I'm I'm going all Raven. So we'll see what you might think about some of these. I'm starting off with the first album with "Don't Need Your Money," so we're gonna crank this track. Um, any any uh, things that stand out from that track for you? Well, that was uh, our first single, <clears throat> and I've actually just found. Where is it? There it is. Burned it. The <laughs> demo that got us the deal with Neat Records, where we, wow. we do it, and it's a slightly different arrangement. It's pretty funny. But, uh, That's special to have. That's cool. That was the pretty much the first song we wrote when Rob came into the band, and it was just a game changer. It was a, a little goofy because of the a cappella part, but we knew it was just fun and it was it just had that powerful riff and it was something none of us had really heard before and it spoke for itself that record changed our lives putting that one song out they played it on radio one there was a dj called john peel and all he did was play new music and this is here's a song by a band gold driving played it and ozzy osbourne heard it <laughs> ozzy was doing an interview and the radio was on he goes who's this I like that. I want them to open for me. So a month later, we're opening for Ozzy Osbourne after playing, you know, pubs and clubs. Boom, straight in. So it changed everything. That's crazy. <clears throat> Amazing. And we still play it. That's really awesome. We still play it. Not at every gig, but we still play it. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Um, my, uh, my next track, speaking of um, bands that are keeping the metal going this is a band called iron reagan and this song is miserable failure um these guys are some true thrashers and this is probably my favorite song from them um definitely for you those of you out there um if you haven't checked out uh iron reagan check them out just straight up old school thrash you're getting in like the anthrax zone in there but um the song Miserable Failure is, is my favorite from them. Awesome, so yeah. I've seen them a number of times. I've actually supported them playing playing music. I've played a number of gigs uh, awesome. on the same bill. That's uh, Tony from Municipal Waste, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The, uh, what is your next track for the Heavy Radio playlist, John? Well, I'm going to pull one of ours uh, off our live record. Uh, screaming murder, death from above, live in Alborg, which is not a testicular disease. It's actually a city in Denmark. <laughs> faster than the speed of light. A version that's faster than faster than fast. So enjoy that one. Hell yeah. Does that is that the album that has a bass solo on it? Or no, that's... Is it Live at the Inferno has a bass Live at Inferno's got the bass solo yes. on it, yeah. Hell yeah. My uh, my next track, we're going a little, uh, we're going dig deeper into the catalog here. Uh, Thunderlord from Nothing Exceeds Like Excess. The track Thunderlord, crank, crank that. Um, any memories associated with that one? 
Yeah, that was uh, the first record we did with Joe, and we had a budget of about $37.50 and a couple of mint lumps, I think. Maybe a shirt button. I think there was a shirt button involved. So we did it in this small studio in upstate New York in Utica, which is a very strange town. Uh, There was a bar literally on every corner, and... It was like going into the dark ages. Even then, pizza was like 50 cents a slice, you know. <laughs> it was like, what? And we found out what a maniac Joe was in that he'd go out and he'd be like shagging all these girls and having their boyfriends chase him through, through the gardens and fences. And We were sleeping upstairs in the studio and I'd hear like this panting and he's walking up the stairs like, I just got away, just holding his boots. He'd been with some girl and the guy had kicked one door down and he ran out the back and the dog was chasing him and all this crazy shit. Oh, he God. was he was in Pentagram before joining up with you, right? Yeah. So yeah, you, very if you knew if you knew very Pentagram, very rock and roll. You probably knew a little bit what you were getting into. <laughs> oh yeah, well uh I think Joe's a choir boy compared to a couple of the other characters in <laughs> yeah, that band. Compared to Bobby, sure. yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's a choir boy compared to Bobby. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw them. They had a reunion concert in like 91 or 92 in New York with uh, Bobby and Victor and Marty and Joe. And I, I'd never seen anybody like Bobby in my life. I'd, they thought they'd exhumed him out of a fucking coffin or something like that. <laughs> and that was then. I mean, yes. and we're talking like, what, like freaking 30 years ago? That's insane. <laughs> he, uh, yes, he def- when he when he comes on stage and opens his eyes, there's definitely um, uh, maybe a Nosferatu vibe that does follow. Oh, ever so slightly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's uh, there's plenty of stories on that side, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Joe, Joe's extremely colourful, and that studio was a bit of a nightmare. That every time the guy went to get a cup of coffee, we'd all lean over the boards and start twisting all the knobs and changing it to the way we wanted it. <laughs> it was one of those a, a little bit antagonistic, but uh, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, I love the record. It's got some great songs on it. So. Yes. Yes. What's your next track, That's Eric? Awesome. Yeah, um, I was lucky enough to see this band uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so I want to add them to the playlist. This is Lamb of God, and this song is Walk With Me in Hell. Um, just one of their classic live tracks at this point. Uh, they did play this one when I saw them. Just super catchy riffs, definitely one of their signature songs, and for good reason. So, um, uh, Lamb of God, uh, great band, period. And this song is Walk With Me in Hell, just a great example of what they can do. So, great song. Awesome. What's, uh, what's your next track, John? Well, I'm going to delve back a little bit. Uh, Gary Moore, who has had a you know, he was an amazing guitar player. When he rejoined Thin Lizzy, 
and the, the, the band he was with, the fusion band, Coliseum 2, broke up. He did a solo record called Back on the Streets. And the title track, Back on the Streets, is just a killer rocker with some phenomenal guitar solos in it. And if anyone wants to dig that up on YouTube, there's a version of them playing it on the old Grey Whistle Test on the BBC in England with Cozy Powell playing drums. <laughs> it's oh, it's <man>. killer. <laughs> Phil Phil oh, Linnett, Phil Linnett and uh, uh, Scott Gorham and Gary Moore. Uh, it's killer. And uh, Don Airy playing keyboards, yeah, killer. Wow. That's amazing. Can't and, yeah, Eric and I love cool. love Cozy Pal. Uh, one of the first people we ever. I'm a bass player and he's a guitar player. One of the first drummers we ever jammed with uh, reminded us a lot of Cozy, and it was amazing, amazing jams that we had. Yeah, I was lucky to see Cozy a number of times. As a kid, I camped out with my sleeping bag in the snow on the steps of the Newcastle City Hall and got tickets to see Rainbow in 1976 uh, wow. wow and then I've seen them the next couple of times they came back with Cozy and I also saw Cozy play with Michael Schenker band uh, yeah just uh, awesome. you know unique the, the only drummer you could put him similar to was like a Bonham where he had this unique sound he had a unique snare sound and it's just so powerful and on the money yeah Basically made the sound of a whole orchestra with his kit. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. My, uh, Eric, that was some awesome synchronicity too. Because on our last episode, Eric had a a Gary Moore song. So it's always cool when that happens. Yeah. My next track, we're going to a 2009 release, Walk Through the Fire. It was on the Japanese label King Records, and my track is Attitude. So, And that was actually a couple tracks before the Montrose cover. But this is right. Raven with, with Attitude. What's, um, any, any memories specifically from that Walk Through the Fire album? Yeah, well, that was uh, coined, a title coined by my brother. My brother had a dreadful accident in 2001 where he nearly died uh, a building fell on top of him and crushed his legs broke both his feet off they had a piece of rebar through one calf the other calf was ripped off his feet were turned around and, uh, and it was like he might not make it and it was like we're going to have to cut your legs off and he went no we're going to have to cut your left leg off and no effing way. No. You'll never walk again. No. And it took him three years, but uh, we played a couple of gigs with him in a wheelchair, and then he started wearing a leg brace, and then the leg brace got smaller and smaller. And, you know, I'd been writing. I had no idea what was going to happen, but I said, I'm just going to keep writing. I had a lot of cool songs, and we ended up, there was a local band where I was when I was living in Virginia and I ended up singing a song with them at the studio and the, the guy was very cool and I had a good studio. Like, oh, let's do this. Brought the guys in. We did a demo. Uh, we got a deal and did the record. And it was a 
you know, basically uh, re-establishing ourselves a strong record. And like, boom, okay, we're here. We're, it's, and that's basically, you know, we, we, we took from there and we started working very hard, doing a lot of live work. And, uh, I mean, we toured for, geez, about five years on that record. Sure. So, and that's a great song. I'd love to do that live sometime. That's a good one. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I hope so. I look I would look forward to that very much. What's your next track, Eric? Let's see him up. Yeah. Um this band is Lords of Black and this song is called Bound to You. Um this is uh kind of coming from the power metal world. Um song is really catchy, great playing on all fronts. Um so yeah, I'm definitely Lords of Black got my attention, so I'm going to check them out some more. Um, this song, Bound to You, pulled me in right away. It's really great songwriting. Um, like I said, it's kind of from the power metal camp, but um, still got plenty of metal bite to it. And um, yeah, really good song. So definitely check Lords of Black out. Speaking of which, is not is it their singer that played some gigs with Rainbow? Is that right? I think. Ronnie, oh, Ronnie Romero? Yeah. Great singer, so. definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> awesome to be able awesome. to share the stage with Richie Blackmore. Yeah, he's a little more reserved. I saw some of those reunion concerts and it was like, where's the fire, man? Come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, but, just uh, by the, getting that legend. opportunity, you think, would, would... Yeah, Blackmore's a legend. He's still incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Have you did you have you ever crossed paths with uh, well you saw Rainbow ever crossed paths with Richie other than that no but uh, I'm f- friends with Mike Calamante who plays bass in the, uh, Blackmore's Night and he ruins Blackmore's reputation he says he's wonderful he's like the nicest guy he's so cool to them <laughs> and they have no problems whatsoever so there you go <laughs> he's probably changed a lot since since the yeah i think can just mellowed so. him out a little bit <laughs> <laughs> probably for the better yes <laughs> my my next track i'm jumping around through time a bit mine comes from the mad ep and uh, I'm going with the speed of the reflex, and so this was this was 1986, right after the pack is back. We have the Mad EP and the speed of the reflex. Yeah, that was uh, again transitional. We'd uh, done the the pack is back, which is a very overtly commercial record. And the record company pushed and pushed for this, and when they got it, did nothing with it. We felt we'd been led up the garden path, and we just said, you know what, from now on, we do what we want. and not listening to these people. I don't care if they, you know, ditch us or whatever. So we were due to go out on a tour with Twisted Sister, so we said, let's do this EP. And Speed the Reflex is... Uh, just balls out fast, some great parts, all about a, a, like a boxer as this uh, kind of drifty, uh, you know, crazy part in the middle and comes back in super hard. Uh, so that was great. That was done in a place called the House of Music in uh, Pleasant Valley, New Jersey. 
you know, another Pleasant Valley Sunday, like the monkeys <laughs> used to sing. And I remember Mark getting kidney stones at the end of that session and having to get carried out to hospital. <laughs> Not fun. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that, that's a cool, cool track. We rewrote and rehearsed it in some shithole in Trenton, New Jersey. My God. It was like being in Beirut pretty bad. <laughs> Another place where they poured out the whole chicken on the bucket and... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Chicken bucket of New Jersey. And a Jersey chicken bucket. That's funny. Uh, put it this way. The hotel they put us in, it had three channels of porno. <laughs> it's that bad <laughs> real seedy oh yeah <laughs> we and we'll, we'll bring it on home here for this amazing episode of heavy radio with our last tracks what what is your last track for this this playlist eric yeah um this band is called the curse within and this song is called deliverance um there it's um it's definitely like the speed metal vibe um it's it's real rocking um i had not heard of the curse heard of the curse within before um the song deliverance definitely grabbed my attention right away um just a great playing once again just um it's it's i like i love speed metal when they still have a lot of great melody in there worked in and it's definitely um a band that does that so the curse within with deliverance you look mighty fine in them jeans. <laughs> yeah. Come on, like a pig. <laughs> not sure if it's from the oh, I hope that's not the inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. What is the last track you're adding to the playlist, John? Oh, jeez. All right, I'll pull something out of thin air. Uh, Derringer, Rick Derringer, <laughs> had a killer band back in the 70s. And he has a live album, Derringer Live, if you can find this. It's a track called Beyond the Universe. It's one of the first thrashy speed songs I'd ever heard. And it has an incredible double guitar solo at the end where they just one to the other to the other and then in unison with the craziest noises that's it's awesome isn't it carmen a piece that's on that uh, vinnie on drums or vinnie yeah it's vinnie apathy and i uh, can't remember the name of the bass player he was in dust he's incredible Um, oh yeah danny Danny johnson who eventually ended up in alcatraz for a little bit as the other guitar player but, I mean, they, they were so crazy. They used to do this thing where it, during that solo, they, would, they had one of the first bands, Wireless Guitars. They would throw the guitars at each other and change guitars. <laughs> and there's a, there's a couple of photographs ever, of that. You the guitars are in the... midday and they're like, right, we catch this crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever cross paths with Dust? Nice. With who? Dust? No. Ever I, I saw them? Rick Derringer uh, earlier this year. He's uh, he's very old and a bit of a mess, but his voice is totally intact, and he can play well. And he had a great band, so it was 
It was just hit after hit. One of those most most people uh, that have access to <laughs> had access to television in the eighties and nineties heard Rick Derringer because he did some music for wrestling for um, Hulk Hogan and uh, what was it Demolition or something. He did a couple tracks that wound up yeah. being heard around the world because of pro wrestling yeah i mean he's had a amazing career he's on a lot of this early steely dan records uh crazy my last track for the playlist comes from the newest album the newest raven album metal city and i'm going with battle scarred and um, we definitely are looking forward to to seeing Raymond out on the road. We're, uh, I'll be at the stop in Des Moines, Iowa, and um, we have some other guests that will be joining us that will be at other stops along the way. So check out Raven's website uh, for those tour dates, and we hope to see you out there. But this is uh, my last track is Raven with Battle Scarred. John, what, uh, so what was it like recording this one? Uh, it was all very, very fast. I mean, I, I was in really good shape doing the vocals on this, this album. I think I did everything in almost everything in one day, which is even for me, it's kind of unheard of. You know, most of vocalists would say, well, I sung three words today. Let's give it a break and <coughs> let's come back tomorrow. But, uh, you know, Michael just had it dialed in great. And, I mean, I, I demoed the stuff God knows how many times because we kept changing the arrangements. Uh, I just had Mark and Mike there cheerleading. No, try this, try this, try this. And we put a couple of little extra crazy parts in there. But uh, it's... Uh, it's a, a great anthem, I think, you know. It, it's, it gives a different flavour to the record. It's a little different feel to some of the other songs. Uh, and then, of course, it bursts out into that little instrumental part where it's bass playing the lead. And then there's a killer guitar solo. And then we have a bit of whoa, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Got to. Oh, yeah. Well, we are stoked to see Raven out on the road. Check it out. Ravenlunatics.com. Raven Band official on social media. And keep cranking the new record. And we're happy to see it on the road. And we can't wait already for the next one. We're hype on that. Thank you for joining us and adding some amazing songs to the playlist. Uh, thank you. Great to be there. And, yeah, everyone come out. We're going to be playing some new songs and a couple of old ones we've never done in a thousand years so keep it interesting after all it's the 40th anniversary awesome. of rock until you drop so we have to do something else off there just for a change hell yeah sounds good to awesome. us all right Thank you. It's been an honor sitting down with you. It truly has. Thank you for your thank time. Thank you, guys. Thank and you thank for you time. for all, yeah. the, all the hard service to the heavy metal and for bringing us some great stories. I have lots of them like you. Don't worry about it. They'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see you, we'll see you when we'll you come through, come through our areas. And uh, can't wait. Can't wait. See you then. Keep it loud. Keep it heavy. Yeah. <laughs>